0: You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. All right. Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, please turn to the book of 1 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles, chapter number 13. 1 Chronicles, chapter number 13. First chronicles 13 uh, this is where I've been at in my reading reading through first chronicles and uh, it's been a blessing this is an exciting day in the history of Israel this is the return of the Ark of the covenant of the Lord this is a huge celebration it's a huge procession it's a it's it's, it's a parade almost uh, in the history of Israel David has now become the king over all Israel not just he was the king over uh, Jerusalem but now all the country is coming together under his rule and one of the great things that he feels inspired to do is bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord back to Jerusalem it's an exciting time it's an exciting day I mean uh, they're just uh, so happy about what's going on and with that, in uh, first Chronicles chapter 13, I want to begin reading in verse number one. The Bible says, And David consulted with the captains of thousands and hundreds, and with every leader. And David said unto all the congregation of Israel, if it seem good unto you, and that it be of the Lord our God, let us send abroad unto our brethren everywhere that are left in the land of Israel, and with them also to the priests and the Levites which are in their cities and suburbs, that they may gather themselves together unto us. And let us bring again the ark of our God to us, for we will inquire not at it, or for we inquire not at it in the days of Saul. And all the congregation said that they would do so, for the thing was right in the eyes of all the people. So David gathered all Israel together from Shihor of Egypt, even unto the entering of Hemath, to bring the ark of God from Kirjath-Jerim. And David went up and all Israel to Bela, Bale- to that is, to Kirjath-Jerim, which belonged unto Judah, to bring thence the ark of God, the Lord that dwelleth between the cherubs, whose name... Is called on it. And they carried the ark of God in a new cart out of the house of of Abinadab, and Uzzah uh, and Ohio drave the cart. And David and all Israel played before God with all their might, and with singing, and with harps, and with psalteries, and with uh, timbrels, and with cymbals, and with trumpets. Whenever we do get a new church, I really want a band section. You band kids. I want horns and uh, psalteries and and everything uh, and harps and timbrels. Um, But uh, anyway, uh, so you can see the picture of this magnificent day. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. God, please help us to learn the lessons that you'd have us to learn from this account that happened back here in the time of David in the lives of the children of Israel. God, I pray that you'll help us to uh, have the same kind of desire that David had, to please you, to honor you, to glorify you, to uh, get you uh, in the proper place of their lives. And I pray you'd help us to feel that way as well. Uh, God, help us, God, unlike David in this instance, to make sure we are doing it your way. And we'll thank you, Lord, for what you do. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And uh, so this morning, I would like to preach for a little bit here out of the book of 1 Chronicles. This text is also found, uh, when you read 1 Samuel and 1 Chronicles, they kind of run together a little bit, or I should say 1 Chronicles and 2 Samuel. You kind of learn some things about it. Uh, I want to tell you a little bit about the Ark of God, because I don't want to assume that everybody knows what the Ark is. Uh, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. The Ark was a uh, a fairly small chest uh, that was made out of uh, shatim wood, out of a wood that was overlaid with with solid gold. It had a solid uh, gold uh, lid upon it that was called the Mercy Seat, and uh, it had these cherubims fashioned on that Mercy Seat. It was a it was a chest and within that chest there was the, the, the Ten Commandments were in that chest. Aaron had a rod that uh, so he had a stick basically that budded even though it was broken, that was a signal of his authority and that was the ones that God chose to be the priest. And it had a pot of manna in the ark. And it was just, these are all symbolic of important things that we don't have time to go into now. But that's what it was. It was very uh, key in the lives of the children of Israel. Uh, On this chest, there were also fashioned some golden rings on the side of the uh, the chest to where you could put these staves through, these sticks that you had put through those rings so that they could carry the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. This was so significant because this Ark, uh, God had very specific ways uh, plans about the way it was built and about after it was built, the way it was to be treated when the children of Israel would meet with God that God made, had them make a big tabernacle, basically a big tent, a big fancy tent, and a courtyard that was like seventy five by one hundred and fifty, the tabernacle structure was um, what was it, uh, 45 by 15, What? not very uh, large as a, the, the proper structure, but within the what was called the holiest of all is where this chest went, the Ark of the Covenant. And this Ark would be put in the holiest of holies, the holiest of all, and this is where once a year the priest would enter to, I should say one day a year, the priest would enter into twice on this one particular day to offer a sacrifice for himself and also a sacrifice for the people he'd offer the blood there was a thick veil that separated this room from everybody else that separated the ark of God from everyone else and some of you'll be familiar with this new testament uh, truth whenever the bible talks about when Jesus died the veil in the temple was rent from top to bottom they talking about the veil that separated the ark of the covenant from everything and everybody else it was a very vital thing now Understanding that God in the Bible is not about relics. These furnishings and instruments that are used in the Old Testament were kind of like building blocks. They were kind of like ABCs. They were pictures that were trying to teach the children of Israel and trying to teach people about some more higher and spiritual truths. So the Ark of God is where the presence of God would come down and bless the children of Israel. So the Ark of the Covenant is a picture of the presence of God. It's a picture of the power of God. And in truth, it's a picture of the person of God. The Lord Jesus Christ. These things are pictured in the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. Uh, So in this section what we find is that the children of Israel have been without this Ark for many years. Uh, at, least, at least 25, uh, one source I read said 75 years they went without having the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord as, at least having it as a central point of their worship. And I started thinking about that. I wonder how many people's lives God could remove His presence from and their lives would go on like normal. Yeah. I wonder how many churches and oftentimes so-called churches that if God removed His presence from them that you would notice any difference whatsoever. I would like to think that if God was to move, remove His presence from Elk Point Baptist Church, I'll tell you one thing, I'd hate to think what, what kind of shape I would be in, yeah. and we'd be in terrible shape, but I sure I believe that we would notice it uh, because we rely so heavily on the working of God and the presence of God, the power of God, honoring Him. In short, David had a good motivation here. He was trying to get... Uh, th- they were missing something. David is now the king. They're getting everything together. They're getting the government together. They're getting their lives together. There's a lot of us in this new part of the this part of the new year that are trying to get our lives together. We want our lives to be in the right place. But if we're not careful, we can be like the children of Israel and forget that we're missing something. By the way, you may be missing something in your life. And I tell you, if you don't know Jesus as your savior, you're missing something. Amen. If you've not accepted Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you're missing something. I'm not talking about baptism. I'm not talking about being born in a Christian family. I'm not talking about a set of beliefs. I'm talking about having a relationship with Christ, understanding that you need Him. What a wonderful thing that is. I was missing that one day, missing Him one day, but glory hallelujah when I called on Him and met Jesus. Amen? Amen. And His presence, His power, His person came into my life. I was missing something. Um, people think they're missing something and they go all out in this world looking for it. Yep. Yep. Have you ever realized they don't ever find it? Amen. You know, we had a testimony, man, just a, such a heartfelt blessing of a testimony during Sunday school about someone that God had, had had brought from drugs and from alcohol in days gone by. And you know what? I just think about that. Think about the people that that are destroying their lives in drugs and alcohol. Uh, And when I talk about drugs, I'm not just talking about illegal drugs. I'm talking about prescription drugs as well that are being abused. People that are destroying their lives with these things, but they're not finding what they're missing. People get into religion. They're not finding what they're missing. Folks, people are missing Jesus. But I want to say this as well. If you're not saved, come to the Lord today. Be saved. But if you are saved, I want to say this. If we're not careful, we can be like the children of Israel and not put God first in our lives. Not have Jesus in the proper place in our lives. And that's what David was trying to do. He's like, we need to get this power back in our lives. And so, uh, in this text, however... All is going well. There's a lot of excitement. But as we go on, what we find out something that they were trying to accomplish God's will. And I say this to a church, the church is made up of the people, so I I preach to try to preach into your lives. But I want to say, as collectively, as a church, we need to make sure we're doing God's will. We ought to have a desire to do God's will. One of the reasons that God chose Israel above all nations was not so that they could stick up their nose at the nations and think how much better they are than everyone else, but God chose them because He wanted them to be a light to the world. God wants us to definitely be a light to the world. He wants us to reach the world. He wants us to make a difference in the lives of other people. In other words, and we ought to have a desire and a zeal like David had, like these people had, to accomplish that for God. But there's a very important key and factor in doing the will of God. In doing what God would have us to do. And that's not only that we're trying to accomplish God's will, but that we're accomplishing God's will in God's way. Amen. We live in a time where the Bible warned us that there would be a great falling away. That many would fall away. The Bible says people in this day and age would turn their ears from the truth. And they would embrace the lie. The Bible says they, that, that, that men will heap to themselves teaching, having, teachers having itching ears. In other words, tell me what I want to hear. And... And, and and a lot of times people are saying this. You know, and it's really a, a a remarkable thing to me that it's it's been going on for some years, but literally people have quit preaching key truths of the Bible. Why? Because we want to win more people for God. But we don't want to do it God's way because God's way doesn't really work. And I say that facetiously, but that's what they're... Jesus came on this earth preaching hellfire and brimstone, warning of damnation to come. Yeah, and He said, "That's why I came, because I love you." And there's only one way. And so, but you know what? We can't preach that anymore because you know what? Well, people aren't going to be too comfortable with that. So we don't want people. We don't want to turn anybody away. Listen, we do, we don't want to turn anybody away. But when it comes to the truth, we've got to preach the truth of yeah. God's word. Yeah. Sin is no longer, uh, you know, specific. Sin, it's like it's all relative. Well, it may be a sin to you, but it's not really a sin to me. Well, if God said it's a sin, guess what? It's a sin. Amen. Now that doesn't mean that we don't love people. The Bible says we speak the truth in love. What's that mean? That just simply means that we tell people the truth, but we're not doing it in some uh, you know, condescending manner. And we're not doing it just trying to bring down the house on somebody. We do it with compassion and love. Much like a doctor would come in and say "You've got some Ill- you've got some illness. And the, there, there's some bad news, but there's good news. We've got some treatment, perhaps, uh, you, we would hope. But, you know, it's, it's the same way. We've got to let people know there's some bad news before they can appreciate the good news. Yeah. And, uh, and and preach the truth. But so, we've got to make sure if we're doing God's way, God's trying to do God's will, we do it in God's way. And what we see here is in all their zeal, because that's what some people say, oh man, as long as you're sincere. No, you can be sincerely wrong. They seem so excited. Man, there was music, there was dancing, there was instruments, and they they had the right motivation. We're going to do something for God. But notice what the Bible says in verse 9 of this same chapter. And when they came unto the threshing floor of Chidon, Uzzah put forth his hand to hold the ark for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah and he smote him because he put his hand to the ark. And there he died before God. In a moment, And by the way, you you can read this same account in 2 Samuel chapter 6. Please don't do it now, but I encourage you to do it later. But in a moment, we'll find out that when David said what the Lord did, he said, Lord, you've you've caused a breach to come upon Uzzah. That's like a splitting, like a cutting. This sounded like it was a pretty gruesome way to die. It wasn't that he just killed over. There was a breach. There was a cutting. There was an opening. There was a judgment that came down. And the Bible says in verse 12, And David was afraid of God that day, saying, How shall I bring the ark of God home to me? So David brought not the ark home to himself, to the city of David, but carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. And the ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in the house three months, and the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had, doing God's will in God's way. So David was trying to do the will of God here, but he asked a question here. How shall I bring the ark home to me? As you can probably figure out, they were not doing what they were doing the way God wanted to do it. That's right. yeah. Now somebody says, well, shouldn't a God? shouldn't God have maybe told that to David? God did tell that to David. Mm-hmm. And He told it to anybody that was willing just to look into the Word of God. Notice, if you will... Uh, and I'll just have to uh, read this to you. In the book of Exodus, the Lord gives instructions on how to carry the Ark of the Lord. Yeah. I knew when I brought my notes up here today that uh, I didn't save something of my copying and pasting, and these are total, uh, total mess. But in the book of Exodus, God is very clear on how to carry. He gives very clear instructions. He says, that, I told you earlier, there's rings with staves. He said this is to be carried by the Levites. And He said they're to carry this on those staves and up, 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 high up on their shoulders. And this is the way the ark is to be transported. So how am I to do it? How does God want me to do it? Read the Word of God and He'll tell you how, how He wants you to do it, David. Yeah. Now, where did David get this idea? I do have this, thank God, in my notes. I don't know what else I'm missing, but the Bible says in 1 Samuel 6, verse 7, now, this is the Philistines. The Philistines had overtaken Israel, taken the ark of God, one of the darkest days in the history of Israel up to that point, when, the, when they were defeated by the Philistines, listen, they tried to use the ark as a good luck charm. God's not into us being into and into worshiping religious relics. It's okay to have a cross and everything, but a cross, don't think some cross is a good luck charm. Amen. Yeah. This, we're not into good luck charms. We know God, amen. Yes. My life is in His hands. And yeah. so uh, the, the religion, though, can become a superstition in and of itself. And that's not what God wants. He wants us to focus on Him, not on relics. But the Philistines were an ungodly people, hated God, hated the people of God. But they took the Ark of God, and notice what the Bible says they did. Now, therefore, they said, "Make a new cart and two milch kine on on which there hath come no yoke, and tie the kine to the Ark and bring their calves home." From them, And you read, basically what you find out is it's the Philistines that said, let's make a new cart and we'll carry it like that. Then David is replicating what the world is doing. When God says, I have a specific way for you to carry this, I have instructed you in my word, this is the way it's to be done. But instead, they did a new cart. They didn't do an old cart. They did a new cart. It was probably the finest cart in town. But God is still sitting there saying, but that's not what I told you to do. Amen. See, the Bible says that obedience is better than sacrifice. Amen. He's, the context of that verse is when God gave instructions to Saul about killing the, the, these animals when they came into Amalek along with everything else. And uh, God clearly told him to do this, but when Samuel came to see what had happened in the battle, he came to... Saul, and he says, what is this I hear, the bleating of the sheep. S- Samuel's coming into town and he hears hears, and then all of a sudden Saul speaks up and says, well, pardon my paraphrase, well I know God said He wanted me just to wipe it all out when I came into town, but I had a better idea. Anytime you have a better idea than God, just mark it down. It's not a better idea. There's a lot of church. I'm telling you, the modern day religious movement is to have better ideas than God. God says one thing, we've come up with some other things. That's That's not wise. I had a better idea. I thought I would sacrifice, give these as an offering to the Lord instead. And that's where God says obedience is better than sacrifice. What are you doing here? It's self-willed. It's presumptuous. And there's many applications that we can make to this that I will not take the time to do because I want to get to some of the things about the way to carry this ark. If you think about it, God purposed and meant for His people to carry the ark. He meant for them to be the ones that, held, that, that carried the burden. He meant for God's people to be the one that felt this pressure. But if you think about it, he this thing about the new cart is, we'll just put it over there and we'll just let it ride. And what it does is it kind of takes away any personal responsibility. We'll just let the ark do it. We don't have to do any work. We'll just walk right beside it. Do you know that we live in a time to where people don't really appreciate a whole lot about personal responsibility? Amen. Yeah. We live in a time to where, where even Christians are hesitant to really commit to a church. Why? Because they don't want that responsibility. They don't want that commitment. Well, why not? Why not? Because God God has made you in this day and age. The Bible says you're the temple of God. God has made you and I the carriers of His glory. The carriers of His presence. We are the ones. It's through us that God wants to bring the glory. It's through us that God wants to bring the presence of God. And sure, maybe the new cart approach may draw bigger crowds. But if the bigger crowds aren't there getting spiritual help and it's just a big social gathering and just a big emotional stirring, that's not really doing anything to glorify God or to really help other people. Amen. Imagine a doctor that went around. I guess he'd be a popular doctor, but imagine a doctor that would go around telling people that are, that are deathly ill, you're fine. Don't you pay attention to the, to, to the scans. Don't pay attention to the reports. You know, you're good. You're going to live a long, healthy life. Well, that makes me feel pretty better in the short term. And that might be a pretty popular doctor. But I'm telling you, in the long run, whenever I, this, this disease has spread in my body because it went untreated, in the long run, when, in the end when I'm dying, I'm going to be kind of wishing that maybe that guy would have just told me and maybe he don't even have the best, the best bedside manner. But I sure would have appreciated that doctor saying, Son, you're in trouble. Okay. And if you don't get some help, and if you don't get it quick, you're going to be dead. Or you're going to be suffering in a really, really bad way. I might not appreciate hearing that. Some of you have heard that kind of news. Did anybody say, Whoa, thank you, Doc. I like this guy. Many of you have heard the C word when you've gone to the doctor, and you've heard some of these other things you've gone to the doctor, and you didn't say, Man, what? Well, well, that guy's great. I love going there. <laughs> no, but he's telling the truth because he cares and he wants to make a difference, yeah. and he wants you to be better in the long run. Yeah. New cart religion doesn't do that. New religion sounds good because you don't have to carry the burden. We're going to have a big program that's going to carry the burden. We're going to have an exciting uh, band that's going to carry the burden. You don't have to do nothing. You just have to show up and you just enjoy it. Just enjoy it. I want you to come and enjoy it. But the thing is, God says, we have a privilege. We have a responsibility. But we also have a great privilege. We get to carry it. We get to have a part. God gets to be a part of our lives on a daily basis. We're seeking the Lord, loving the Lord, honoring the Lord. We get to carry it. God meant for the glory to be carried on feet and steps. Now, on one hand, you got those that have the new cart. You don't have to worry about it. On the other hand, you have those that are watching how you carry that cart. Wait a second. You're supposed to have your right hand here, then your left hand here. And when you step, you're supposed to step with this foot and then that foot. And you're supposed to hold your mouth like this. And you're supposed to have your hair parted to the left when you do it. And you're supposed to have on a white shirt when you're carrying it. But we've got to stop and say, wait a second here, bozo. (laughs) God never said we had to carry the cart that way. Amen. See, you have those that are taken away from the truth of God's Word, but then you've got those that are trying to add, the Pharisees that try to add to the the, the teaching of God's Word and to the doctrine of God's Word. No, we just need to do what God said, do it God's way and glorify Him. Amen? So we need to do do things God's, uh, we need to do God's will, but we need to make sure that we do it in God's way, whatever it is that we're preaching, whatever it is that we're teaching, we've got to stay uh, true to the truth of God's word, to God's principles. Now, when it comes to these other things, we need to make sure that we do things that never violate or go against God's word. We need to stand for Him, but we need to do so with love. And I'm telling you, God wants to bring the glory. He wants He wants uh, God. He He wants to manifest His power and His presence, folks. He wants people to see Jesus. Amen. Amen. He wants people to see Himself and He wants people to see Himself through you and through me. We, we get to carry it. He wants, he wants people to see what God's doing in this church. This church is not just about, well, if you come, you know, like the come and see thing. No, we want to make sure that we're affecting people outside of these walls in our homes, in, on our jobs, in our neighborhoods, whatever. Making a difference. That's what we preached about last week. Making a difference. Making a difference. How do we do that? We just keep doing doing God's God's will, and we do it in God's way. Amen. Lord, this is what You said to do. Here am I. I want to do that. Lord, and with Your help and grace, I want to do it Your way. Yes. It's the right way. It's a good way. Amen. It's a blessed way. I am so glad. And God's doing it, is He not? By God's grace, we're just trying to carry it God's way. Carrying on the glory. Moving on with the glory. Being a testimony with the glory of God. Child of God, I'll say this. One of the things that I think as we... I was thinking about this week and maybe even last week. I was thinking a little bit about how that we want to make sure that our lives make a difference. How, How that we make plans. How that we want to be better. How that we want to be better husbands and wives and and workers and children and Christians and whatever? We want to be better. And so we want to make efforts to say, you know what, this is going to help me be better. And that's true, but we also need to make sure when we're trying to get things straightened out like David was... Make sure you're not missing something. Make sure you're not missing the presence of God. Make sure you're not missing the power of God. Make sure you're not missing the person of God, the glory of God working in your life. Lord, I can. I'm going to do this, but not on my own. Lord, I can without you. uh, Jesus said in John 15, "Without you, I can do nothing." Make sure you're not missing something in your home. Make sure you're not missing something in your life. And I'm not saying you may be saved. But if you're not careful, we can be like David and be trying to do God's will, but not be doing it in God's way. Amen. Get in the Word. Know His Word. Yes. I, can hear, I can hear somebody in the modern day saying, well, how's I supposed to know? Like <laughs> David said, well, how am I supposed to bring it? Okay, Mr. David, just go read and you'll find out. Yeah. And the sad thing is, remember that chapter started out with them asking advice from all these leaders and captains and did not one of them say that's a great idea David let's make sure that we follow what the Bible says in Exodus about it though God gave very specific instructions some somewhere somewhere along the line somebody should have said, Wait, the new cart? That's the way the world's doing it. That's the way the Philistines are doing it. Let's do it the way God said That's to do right. it. Amen. Well, it makes more sense to do it that other way. It's easier that other way. It's whatever doesn't matter what's God say. Right. Because God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts, and I promise you this, they're better than our thoughts. Amen. He knows better than, than we know. And by the way, He loves you. And while we all stand, I wanna kinda end with kinda where I began. And that's with this. as If Miss Anya would come play on the piano this morning. I'd like to end where I began, and that is this. Are you missing something today? If you're here today and you are not saved by God's grace, maybe you're like many of us were at some point in our lives. We said, you know what, I believe in God. Yeah, I believe all that stuff. I believe that Jesus died and rose again. Well, that's, that's great. But that's not what it means to be a Christian exactly, or to be saved. Because the wording there that we're using is that we're basically intellectually acknowledging. Yeah, this is I believe this. But we're not really exercising faith and saying, Dear Lord, I believe what You said in Your Word. You said in Your Word that I'm a sinner, but that You love me enough to go to the cross and pay the penalty for my sin. Listen, you do not have to do better. You don't have to get better. You don't have to turn over and you leave. All you have to do is with a sorrowful and a a sincere heart, confess to God that you know you're a sinner and that you need to be forgiven. Jesus, please come into my heart and life and be my Savior. Please do that. You'll never regret it. You will never regret it. Please today, if you're not saved, would you please call on the Lord? while this altar is open if you are saved maybe you join these that are praying lord help me to make sure that i'm putting you first god i really want but see because there was blessings and benefits of having the ark as a lot more that could have been said there was benefits of having it there was it was good but only if they were doing it in god's way if they were just trying to use it as a good luck charm That's when all of a sudden something that was good all of a sudden became a big curse in the life of Uzzah and David and those that were around.